What's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome back. It is time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. People, this episode is entitled Crazy Times Part 2. I didn't know uh, my last episode was going to be a part one of part one and two. Uh, but so much stuff has been going on. I have so many clips I'm going to play for you guys today, and it just further illustrates my point. People, it is crazy times we are living in. Um, man, where do I begin? Um, so in the last episode, we were talking about... Uh, critical race theory and it seems like over the course of the past couple weeks this topic has been on every news show uh even the military uh is talking about it and mandating reading materials for people um and last episode i played this clip um from a couple women a couple teachers um that and I, actually since i played that clip i've i've seen probably five, six more uh, videos of teachers screaming at school boards uh, about critical race theory and about teaching critical race theory in, in high school, in schools, all schools. I mean, I think they're getting them at, even at age five years old is what this one woman says. Um, but this is a clip about, this is a nine-year-old, th- this is... I don't know how to, I feel very mixed feelings about this because this starts out with a nine-year-old girl who I don't know if she was coached or if she really deep down feels this way. If she does, she's very intelligent for a nine-year-old to say the least. And you're going to see why here in a second. Um, But after she speaks, another woman comes up uh, and she is like a brainwashed clone, social justice warrior. Uh, it's a cult, people. This is a cult. This is the communist takeover of education part of the subversion plan I've been talking about since uh, the KGB guy episode. I forget what episode it was. Or the, is it Lessons of History? No, it's, uh, I forget. But anyway. So here, let's do this. I'm going to play that. I'm going to start with this clip. This is a nine-year-old girl talking about uh, BLM and not having, not, uh, they're not supposed to have political signage at the school. And she calls out the school for having BLM up there. And that's apparently okay. But, you know, any other type of political speech isn't. And then the, the mom that comes on afterwards to criticize her. I mean, she like talks she kind of talks shit to this little nine-year-old girl. Like, this chick is brainwashed. And you're going to see why. Listen to the repetitive statements. And she thinks she's making a, a point. And it is disgusting and pathetic to me that this nine-year-old girl seems like she has more brains and more courage than this this brainwashed BLM-supporting social justice warrior mother who apparently eats this critical race theory, uh, you know, believes it, eats, sleeps it, drinks it, fucking hook, line, and sinker, whatever. Here we go. Listen to this. The other 
other day I was walking down the hallway at Lakeview Elementary School to give a teacher a retiring gift. I looked up onto the wall and saw a BLM poster and an Amanda Gorman poster. In case you don't know who that chick is, she's some girl who did a poem at Biden's so-called inauguration. I was so mad. I was told two weeks ago at this very meeting spot, no politics in school. I believed what you said at this meeting. So at lunch, I went up to my principal to tell him about the BLM poster and that I wanted it down. He said it's not coming down. I was like, yeah, it is, because the school board said on May 25th, no BLM or politics in school. He said, that's weird. They were the, one who, they were the ones who made them. I was stunned. When I was here two weeks ago, you told us to report any BLM in our schools. Apparently, you know they're in our schools because you made the signs. Ooh. I said there should be no BLM in schools, period. It does not matter the color you make the posters and the font you use. We all understand the meaning. Students are fighting back against critical race theory while it sneaks into schools across the country. School boards continue to push racially charged curriculum, even after pushback from concerned stakeholders. It is a political message about getting rid of police officers, rioting, burning buildings down while King Governor Waltz just sits on his throne and watches. We all know. Changing the font or the color of posters does not change the meaning. I am nine years old and I know that. You expect me to believe that you did not know what you were doing by making these posters? Come on, people. I do not judge people by the color of their skin. I, I don't really care what color their hair, skin, or eyes is. I judge by the content or the way they treat me. MLK said, I have a dream that one day my four little children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That dream has come true. I do not care or look at the color of skin, but you make me think of it. I have Asian, Mexican, white, Chinese, black friends, and I don't care. I like them because some of them make me laugh, some are sweet and kind, sporty, or share the love of God. They are just my friends. You have lied to me, and I am very disappointed in all of you. You cannot even follow your own rules. If you're going to do that, why do we follow any rules we deemed unfit or ridiculous? I'm not following your mask rule anymore, then. Get the posters out of our schools. Courage is contagious, so be courageous. Bam. Now listen to this shit. Masked mom. Oh, by the way, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Um, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. I can keep saying this for the rest of my time. I want to thank you for your equity efforts. Please do not back off of this. It is the right thing to do. Black Americans are the only people in our country who were taken here against their will. Oh, Jesus. That is a fact. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, do you disagree? Please, Obviously. please be respectful no. of all the speakers. Really? You disagree with me that black Americans are taken here? She, please be, please be respectful. I, I'm asking her. I'm asking Turn her. Turn to a nine-year-old. She, she's got an, I'm happy Amy, to share my time. Amy, please, I'm happy to share my time. Please be respectful. Please be respectful, everyone. She says, I'm nine years old. The chick says, it breaks my heart. Oh, it breaks my heart. Finish what you want. Um, okay, so anyway, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. All right, so, I mean, people. This stuff's happening. 
This is going down around this country. Schools everywhere. It's crazy. I just saw a video on Twitter about this event where it's like it's becoming a cult people. All these people like have their hands in their air, in the air and it's like repeat after me. I will uh, uh, use equity and I will, uh, you know, check. I will be uh, whatever to black and white people. And then the whole crowd recites it back. It's like you're saying the Nicene Creed or the Apostles Creed or something. Uh, I should probably go find that video and play it for you. But anyway, my point is, this stuff's getting out of control. This critical race theory thing is is getting a little nuts for me. And um, here, let's do this. I want to play... This is. It's even getting into the military, people. It's even getting into the military. It's unbelievable. Take a listen. Uh, to this clip, this is, um, let me find him, uh, okay, this is, uh, Representative Jim Banks, uh, questioning, uh, Admiral Gilday, uh, on either the House or Senate, uh, floor, having a conversation, and, Listen to this exchange between an admiral in the United States Navy who's apparently in charge of, uh, he's the CNO on critical race theory. And uh, Representative Banks has some choice questions for him. So <laughs> I almost couldn't believe what I was hearing. Here we go. Take a listen. Kendi's book states that capitalism is essentially racist. And Kendi is clear that racism must be eliminated. So yes or no? Do you personally consider advocating for the destruction of American capitalism to be extremist? Here's what I know, Congressman. It's a yes There's or no racism question, Racism in the United States Navy. Admiral, you I recommended every sailor in the United States Navy read this book. It's a yes or no question. I'm not forcing anybody to read the book. It's on a recommended reading list. Admiral, did you read the book? I did. Okay. In college... Kendi stated that white people are a different breed of humans and are responsible for the AIDS virus. Yes or no, do you personally consider the conspiracy that white people started AIDS to be an extremist belief? Sir, I'd have to understand the context. That is a simple question. Made. I'm not going to I'm not going to Admiral, here. this is a book I'm that you recommended here, sir, every defend, sailor in the United States Navy cherry read. picked quotes from somebody's book. I'm not going to do that. This is a bigger issue than Kendi's book. What this is really about is trying to paint the United States military. And in this case, the United States Navy is weak, as woke. And we've had sailors that spent 341 days at sea last year with minimal port visits, the longest deployments we've Admiral, had. Admiral, I've, I've met you. I respect you. We are you. not I'm, weak. I remain astonished. Strong and our Admiral, I remain astonished their, that you put this book on a reading list and recommended that every sailor in the United States Navy read it. I'm also surprised that you said you, you read it. But I'm glad you brought up those points. You, sir? The Department of Defense, list. Admiral, the Department of Defense undertook the stand down because they understand that extremism detracts from military readiness. So if sailors accept Kendi's argument that America and the United States Navy are fundamentally racist, as you've encouraged them to do,
Do you expect that to increase or decrease morale and cohesion or even recruiting into the United States Navy? I do know this. Our strength is in our diversity, and our sailors understand that. Race is a very, racism in the United States is a very complex issue. What we benefit from is an open discussion about those issues, that we don't try to ignore it or rewrite it, but we actually have a discussion about it. And there'll be various views, and I trust sailors will come and, and to an understanding of hopefully separating from fact from fiction, agreeing or disagreeing with Kendi in this case, and come to hopefully very useful conclusions about how we ought to treat each other in the United States. Admiral, why, why did you put this book on the reading list and recommend it to every single United States sailor read it? Because I think it's really important to consider a variety of views. Admiral, you said you read this book. What part of this book is redeeming and, and qualifies as something that, that every, every sailor in the United States critical read it. about his own journey as an African-American in this country, what he's experienced. Let me ask you again, Admiral, do you expect that say, after sailors read this book that says that the United States Navy is racist, that we will increase or decrease morale, cohesion, and recruiting race into the United States Navy? I think we'll be a better Navy from having open, honest conversations about racism. Uh, okay, so this is from um, I don't know. Oh, this is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. This is what he recently said on this topic. Quote, I've read Mao Zedong. Mao Z God damn it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist, Millie says. So what is wrong with understanding? Having some situational understanding about the country that we are here to defend. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs is tired of ignorant bullshit from people who don't like to read. Okay? You might be asking yourself, Andrew, for America, you were in the Navy. How do you feel about this topic? Oh, boy. I like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs saying, I'm sick of you ignorant idiots not reading and not knowing stuff. Okay? Completely agree with that. Uh, this guy, Admiral Gilvray or whatever his name is, uh, is a little too puppetish for me. He sounds like a politician, but I mean, and you know, in the in the woman in the previous clip too, the Black Lives Matter woman that says, you know, the black people were the only people that were brought here against their will from another country. I know you're right. You're absolutely right about that. You're absolutely right about that. It's sad. It's messed up. The people that lived during that time. Probably went through terrible, terrible, terrible experiences. I get it. I've been over it a million times. Y you wanna, you wanna put this guy's book about how everyone's racist and whatever. I forget the book name. Something about critical race theory, though. Put it on a recommended reading list for sailors. I don't have a problem with reading it. I don't have a problem with it being on a recommended reading list. This representative Jim Banks clearly does, <laughs> and I can kind of see his point. You know, 
here's the this is the bigger picture though. This is the bigger picture that people aren't talking about that I'm thinking about and it pisses me off. People, do you realize that in over the course of the past, I don't know, two, three, four, five years maybe, um, China people, China built the largest navy in the world while we were focusing here in the United States on color, gender, and what cartoon characters are offensive to certain people. We have the people, the race hustlers, the race baiters, pushing this critical race theory. They're, I've told you guys repeatedly, their efforts are successful. And their, their efforts are, are successful because they have not experienced any pushback. People, I'm ready to say it. I think it's time to push back a little bit. It's getting crazy out there. And I know, you know, I, we've Richard Werner told you, I've told you, Henry Kissinger wrote a book about it, I've, I've said it repeatedly. China is going to rise, people. They're going to get their pollution problem under control at some point. They're going to be AI dominant first, probably. They're already sending astronauts into space. Their people ridiculous, ridiculously outnumber us. And their culture is much more disciplined than we are here in the United States. Or should I say, the divided states of America. And that's how they're going to get us, people. The communist subversion is upon us. It's happening. They're almost at checkmate. As soon as they get our guns, as soon as they get that Second Amendment out of the way, people, it is fucking over. China is a communist country. I don't know how many times I have to repeat how many people need to talk to you about communism, how many people need to remind you of the past that your elders already went through, experienced you're going to start respecting your elders. You're going to start listening to the stories, the oral traditions, the lessons learned from the people that came before you. You 18 to 34 demographic. You gullible, naive, imbecile, nitwit, cult, following, critical race theory, etc., 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 And you don't think there's any blame to be placed on people like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, um, uh, George Soros, anyone funding these organizations. Uh, people, I don't, I don't understand what more I have to provide. But you know what? Don't worry. I have a lot more. <laughs> I have a lot more to provide. This is Bill Maher. I can't believe something's happening. Okay, remember when I told you guys about Gutfeld? Gutfeld, Dave Smith, schooling him on his own show. Dave, Dave Smith told him, like, hey, look, you know, you, 
we've been telling you this for a decade, that big business loves big government. And to oppose one is to oppose both. And whatever's happening to Gutfeld people is happening to Bill Maher. And I love it. I have been very critical of Bill Maher in the past. I've been critical of Bill Maher on this show. I played a, a, quote, a clip from him uh, previously where I said, I told you people I couldn't believe that these words came out of his mouth on his show. But guess what? Bill Maher is having a change of heart, people. He's coming into the light. He's coming into knowledge. He's. I feel like he's getting to the point where he's seeing the bigger picture, and I love it. Listen to Bill Maher, a self-proclaimed Democrat. Talk about why people hate Democrats on his own show. <laughs> Take a listen to this. I was reading also about Lin-Manuel Miranda this week. He of Hamilton fame and, you know, won a Pulitzer Prize for it. He's got a new musical, The Heights, which is about Washington Heights. I know that neighborhood. My father parked in it every day of his life, going to New York, coming over from New Jersey, and then taking the subway down to Midtown. And um, he wrote the music and lyrics. He's, his parents are Puerto Rican, came to this country from Puerto Rico. Um, the book is by someone who's half Puerto Rican. It got 96% Rotten Tomatoes. People loved it. Great reviews, for which he has apologized profusely. Why? Well, there's Latinx performers, one black lead, but no Afro-Latinx. The committee that makes note of everyone's skin tone discovered this, and then Lin-Manuel Miranda had to say, I'm truly sorry, I'm learning from the feedback, I thank you for raising it, and I'm listening. I promise to do better in my future projects. This is what I was talking about with Nikki. Please, stop the apologizing. You're the guy who made the Founding Fathers black and Hispanic. I don't think you have to apologize to Twitter. For sake. This is why people hate Democrats. It's cringy. Well, what, what's different is, yes, people used to get mad. People didn't used to grovel and apologize like this for it. I think that's different with social media. I mean, I didn't read the criticisms of this because I don't think they're worthy to read. I just read that was his reaction. Obviously, he felt it was important enough for him to make this apology. Do I think he really thinks he should apologize? I don't. He just wants to avoid the news cycle. I don't blame him. You know, I understand this. But at some point, people are going to have to stand up to these bullies because that's what it is. It's just bullying. It's I can make you crawl like a dog, and I enjoy it. I mean, he's a Latino making a Latino movie with a Latino cast. Not good enough. Nothing is ever good enough for these people. They're like children. We don't raise our children right, and it's reflected in the media. No one ever tells their children, shut the up, sit down, listen to your elders, stop bitching. Oh my God, I do not know what is happening to Bill Maher people, but I love it. I hope he makes more money. I hope his ratings increase. If he continues down the road he's on, because he, instead of going the, the woke route. He's going the awake route. 
There's a difference. Are you woke, my fellow Americans? Or are you awake? You know, I love, you know, this this nine-year-old girl that I played for you, she was talking about Governor Waltz in that clip. Uh, I just realized that this, is, this happened in my state, in Minnesota. That nine-year-old girl and the Black Lives Matter chick that chastised her, that happened in Minnesota. And this nine-year-old said, I, I love it. She says, you know, you guys can't even follow your own rules. I love it. That is my biggest problem with all this bullshit. These, it's so feeble-minded and so stupidly imbecile that, you know, I said when I was talking about it in the last podcast, I said, you know, at what point do you lose track of your point? <laughs> you know, you have all these, you have all these invented terms and people, it's like you need to learn the language to understand it. And the reason why it's that way, it's because it's complete and total cult, garbage, bullshit, mind control, brainwashing. I can't believe I'm witnessing this happen. People, these are crazy times we are living in. I I saw this on Facebook on the Kierkegaard, Dostoevsky, Nietzsche, Kafka group that I am uh, a, a, a follow I'm a member of. I highly recommend it. Get I get a lot of good stuff from this group. Soren Kierkegaard. I've played on the show before. Clips from him. Dostoevsky, obviously. Nietzsche, obviously. Kafka. I haven't really run Kafka by you guys yet, but yeah, you know, we got time. Uh, someone posted this recently. Alexander Nadell said critical theories or wokery quote unquote, is an unholy combination of Marxism and postmodernism, which acknowledges the lust for power as the only reality. They believe that any human relationships can only be understood as a power game. You might say a Nietzschean will to power game between the quote privileged unquote quote unquote privileged and the quote unquote victim hence they aim to deconstruct or that is to ruin whatever people hold near and dear to their hearts the possibility of genuine love and respect is rejected that's my biggest problem where's the development of the capacity for love this is intended to keep us separate this is a scheme of divide and conquer agenda perpetrated by the ruling class the authoritarians the republicans and the Democrats, people, enemies, not foreign, but domestic, I would make the argument. Science and religion are also rejected. Being illiberal and totalitarian by nature, wokery constitutes the most dangerous modern threat to our civilization, I could not agree more. I want you to start thinking about this stuff, people. It ain't going away.
I've said it repeatedly. You better start learning this stuff before it's too late for you, for me, for all of us. Let's move on. This next clip is from the Liberty Lockdown page. Uh, the guy, I forget the guy's name that uh, is the Liberty Lockdown guy. Um, but he is on Tim Pool. And I've to, I, sh- I told you guys about the Tim Pool show before. I think he's on there talking to Tim Pool about the Federal Reserve and what he calls the, quote, most egregious moral hazard in history, unquote. And I found it to be quite interesting. So take a listen to this. And so- what do we have now? The, the most egregious moral hazard in history. You have BlackRock and all of these other guys. And Bill going Gates, out- let's not forget, Bill Gates, the largest landowner in all of Farm. the United States. Farm, yeah, farm, farm yeah, yeah, of course. And so, so they're going out and they're buying real estate at any price because they can't find yield because the stock market is also in a bubble because of the trillions that the Fed has printed. And now you have young people who are priced out of housing that feel hopeless, that are suicidal. You've also locked them in their fucking house for a year, so I don't even blame them for feeling suicidal. And none of this gets blamed on the Fed. We could have never locked down this country for a year if not for the Federal Reserve because you couldn't have papered it over like you did. So every single layer of this falls at the fucking doorstep of the Federal Reserve and no one talks about yep. it. And so, it drives me crazy. So what you're saying is uh, buy Bitcoin? Yes. Actually, <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am okay. saying that. What? Yeah, that is a perspective. Fiat currency, you guys have talked about it repeatedly. And I'm not the only one saying this stuff. People are waking up. We're learning from our own mistakes. In a world where no one ever gives a fuck about a thing, we're going to have to do this by ourselves. That was from my song On the Shelf. I played for you guys in a previous podcast. And, you know, I have this song that I wrote uh, a while ago. And it's called America the Masquerade. And... I actually, it's actually a song. I wrote it, but the only problem with it is that it has very similar chords to another song I wrote called Insomniac uh, in my band, The Launch. And <clears throat> part of me wants to kind of play it acoustic live on the podcast for you guys because I love it. I love the lyrics. Um, but all the stuff we're talking about today um, makes me think about the lyrics to this song. And I kind of want to just read them to you right now. So here we go. This is a poem slash song by yours truly, Andrew for America. Welcome, buddy. What's your name? Welcome to fortune and fame. We'll make all your dreams come true. And this is all you have to do. Just live in poverty and shame and take these pills to kill the pain. What else could anybody ever ask for? 
America, the masquerade. The non-stop thrill ride escapade has got you thinking everything's all right, but something isn't right. We're breaking bones and taking names, ruining lives. We're taking aim on anything if it gets in our way. The good old USA. Something really has to change. These corporations keep you slaves. I know that you don't want to hear, because Uncle Sam keeps you in fear. Afraid to think, afraid to share, afraid to learn, afraid to care. What else could anybody ever ask for? America, the masquerade, the non-stop thrill ride escapade has got you thinking everything's all right. But something isn't right. We're breaking bones and taking names. Ruining lives and taking aim on anything if it gets in our way. The good old USA. This is how it all begins. And this is how it all will end. You'll be a number, not a name. And everyone will be the same. The goal is keeping you all fools to fill that low-wage labor pool. Throw overboard the working man, then set their sights on foreign lands. It won't be long before we all are holding out our hands. You'll be a number and not a name, and everyone will be the same. I hope you like that. That's called America the Masquerade by yours truly, Andrew, for America. All right, let's move on. So this is Michael Malice on the Tim Pool Show. Talking about Soviet tactics, take a listen to this. Are completely oblivious to what the state can do to people to get them to bend the knee. It's not like good cop, ba- why are you, why are you, making you, that you, said, you said we're oblivious to it? I think a lot of Americans are oblivious yeah. to it. Oh, you're saying not us. Not us. I'm oh, not oh, saying oh, not sorry. the people in this room, but right. I'm saying a lot of Americans, like, like uh, w- w- I had a, f- uh, when Castro died, right? And there was all these laudatory um, obituaries about him. And I'm like, you know, in a way it's kind of good that you guys have no idea what this is like. That yeah. you think like, oh, he's basically like a liberal Democrat or like a, a Trump figure. Like you have no clue. And I want a world in a sense where people like, I kind of get that hypothetically, but I can't imagine this being reality. Yeah. So I can appreciate that. So the things that the Soviets did to break these people, they haven't come over here yet. But one of the things they always do, like they'll arrest people on a Friday night and they want them to squeal. They're in jail till Monday. And it's like, I only need to break one of you. And the offer is good for that one person. So yeah. who's it going to be? Monday morning, they're, they're banging that door and you can't blame them. Yeah. It's easy. We've talked about it. It's easy to break a person. It's easy to make a Republican uh, forget uh, his or her principles when you wave enough money in their face. <laughs> you know, it's easy to make a citizen, uh, you know, give up his friends and family in order to save his own skin. 
You know, there are those type of people out there among us. I don't know, people. It's just... I'm losing faith in America. I love the principles. I love the founding principles. I love the self-development stuff I've been talking about on this show. I love all of the let's be better tomorrow than we are today philosophies and mentalities. I love all that. But this critical race theory and this whoever the fuck is funding this BLM and Antifa and you know, the concerted effort to get Trump out of office. Now we got Biden in there. Everything's about to get fast forward globally. Uh, the new world order is upon us. You know, Codex Alimentarius, they're going to start, you know, the World Trade Organization is going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the distribution of food and beverage is going to be <laughs> controlled by the, you know, it, it's it's, everything's compounding. You can see the plan coming to fruition. Bill Gates is buying up all the farmland. We've talked about that. He's he's creating gen- genetically modified everything. Pretty soon we're going to be eating f- meat that isn't meat. We're going to have meatless meat. Because we got to save the environment. And all this woke movement is going to roll right into envir- environmentalism. And it is just the perfect scapegoat. It is the perfect scapegoat plan to roll out this new world order people national auto determination is going to become a thing of the past david rockefeller is probably laughing in his grave because he knew they all know and soon enough people each and every one of you are going to know that you cannot run and hide from the realities of this world regardless of how uncomfortable those realities make you feel. We better start waking up to this stuff. Take a listen to this. This stuff, this now, this thing is, this shit's starting to, (laughs) I'm getting tense. It's getting a little scary. It's getting a little crazy. These are crazy times we are living in, people. This is the new AG, Garland, talking in this clip. Whew. Here we go. I'm pleased to announce that the administration is today releasing the first national strategy for countering domestic terrorism. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocate for the superiority of the white race. We are focused on violence, not on ideology. In America, Espousing a hateful ideology is not unlawful. We do not investigate individuals for their First Amendment amendment protected activities. Okay, okay, not so bad, right? Not so bad. He specifically singled out white supremacist extremists. Okay. And that's all that sounds fine to me, not scary. Uh, except for this part. 
what's going to define a white supremacist? Is it going to be like hate speech? Like if you say the wrong thing on social media and it's construed the wrong way, cancel culture is going to come get you? Are there really that many white supremacist extremists out there? I honestly, personally don't know one. (laughs) It's like Bill Hicks said, like, where's all this shit happening? (laughs) Have you guys seen the movie Wag the Dog? Has it ever occurred to you? That just because the mainstream media shows you a bunch of images repeatedly and says a couple phrases repeatedly, that that's reality? They're trying to tell you what to think. Mika Mika, uh, Brzezinski told you. We tell you what to think. You want to talk about her dad? Remember I told you guys we're going to talk about her dad, Zignew? Zigbue, whatever it is, take a listen to this. Time to introduce a new character here on the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Zbigniew Brzezinski was a Polish-American diplomat and political scientist. He served as a counselor to President Lyndon Baines Johnson from 66 to 68 and was President Jimmy Carter's National Security Advisor from 77 to 81. As a scholar, Brzezinski belonged to the Realist School of International Relations, standing in the geopolitical tradition of Helford Mackinder and Nicholas Spikeman. Brzezinski was the primary organizer organizer of the Trilateral Commission. Go look up the Trilateral Commission, my fellow Americans, my Politics and Punk Rock podcast listeners. I might have to do a whole podcast on the Trilateral Commission. A supposed nonpartisan discussion group founded by David Rockefeller in July 1973 to foster closer cooperation between Japan, Western Europe, and North America, also known as a very internationalist organization, if you will. Uh, Major foreign policy events during Brzezinski's time in office included the normalization of relations with the People's Republic of China and the severing of ties with the Republic of China in Taiwan, the signing of the Second Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty, the brokering of the Camp David Accords, the overthrow of the U.S.-friendly Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, and the start of the Iranian Revolution, the United States' encouragement of dissidents in Eastern Europe, and championing of human rights in order to undermine the influence of the Soviet Union, the arming of the Mujahideen in response to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, and the signing of the Torrijos-Carter treaties relinquishing U.S. control of the Panama Canal after 1999. 
Brzezinski served as the Robert E. Osgood Professor of American Foreign Policy at Johns Hopkins University of Advanced International Studies. <laughs> Language shapes reality. A scholar at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and a member of various boards and councils, he appeared frequently an expert on the PBS program NewsHour with Jim Lehrer, uh, yada yada, uh, and on MSNBC's Morning Joe, where his daughter, Mika Brzezinski, is co-anchor. Wow, I wonder how she got that job. He was a supporter of the Prague process. His eldest son, Ian, is a foreign policy expert, and his youngest son, Mark, was the United States ambassador to Sweden from 2001 to 2015. Brzezinski was born in Warsaw, Poland in 1928. Uh, he spent some of his earliest years witnessing the rise of the Nazis. From 36 to 38, uh, Tadeusz Brzezinski, must be a relative, was posted to the uh, to the Soviet Union during Stalin's Great Purge. Wow, and was later praised by Israel for his work helping Jews escape from the Nazis. He was he was posted to Montreal as a consul general. The Brzezinski family lived proximate to the Polish consulate general. Uh, the Second World War had a profound, profound effect on Brzezinski, who stated in an interview the extraordinary, quote, the extraordinary violence that was perpetrated against Poland did affect my perception of the world and made me much more sensitive to the fact that a great deal of world politics is a fundamental struggle. Got a master's degree, thesis focused on nationalities within the Soviet Union. Uh, as a Harvard, Harvard professor, he argued against Dwight Eisenhower and John Foster Dulles' policy of rollback. Hmm. The Polish protests followed uh, by the Polish October and the Hungarian Revolution in 1956 lent some support to Brzezinski's idea that the Eastern Europeans could gradually counter Soviet domination. In 57... He visited Poland for the first time since he left as a child, and his visit reaffirmed his judgment that splits within the Eastern Bloc were profound. He developed his ideas he called peaceful engagement. He became a naturalized American citizen in 1958. In 59, Harvard awarded an associate professorship to Henry Kissinger instead of Brzezinski. Hmm. He then moved to New York City to teach at Columbia. He wrote Soviet Bloc, Unity and Conflict. Uh, talking about uh, the beginning of the Cold War, he taught future Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. Uh, um, was of Czech descent like Brzezinski's widow, Emily. And he wrote... Uh, and, I'm sorry, and who he also mentored during her early years. He also became a member of the Council on Foreign Relations in New York and joined the Bilderberg Group. People, <laughs> this shit just keeps getting better, doesn't it? 
I'm telling you people, I'm not lying. During the 1960 U.S. presidential elections, Brzezinski was an advisor to John F. Kennedy, urging a non-antagonist policy toward Eastern European governments. Uh, Brzezinski predicted a future breakup of the Soviet Union along lines of nationality. Uh, he continued to support non-antagonistic policies after the Cuban Missile Crisis on the grounds that such policies might uh, disabuse Eastern European nations of their fear of an aggressive Germany. Uh, in 1970... Uh, in his 1970 piece Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era... Brzezinski argued that a coordinated policy among developed nations was necessary in order to counter global instability erupting from increasing economic inequality. Out of this thesis, Brzezinski co-founded the Trilateral Commission with David Rockefeller, Serving as director from 73 to 76, the Trilateral Commission is a group of prominent political business leaders and academics, primarily from the United States, Western Europe, and Japan. Its purpose was to strengthen relations among the three most industrially advanced regions of the capitalist world. In 74, Brzezinski selected Georgia Governor Jimmy Carter as a member. Jimmy was in the big club, people. Jimmy Carter announced his candidacy for 1976 presidential campaign to a skeptical media and proclaimed himself an eager student of Brzezinski. Brzezinski became Carter's foreign uh, principal foreign policy advisor uh, by late 1975. He became an outspoken critic of the Nixon-Kissinger over-reliance on detente, a situation preferred by the Soviet Union favoring the Helsinki process instead, which focused on human rights, international law, and peaceful engagement in Eastern Europe. So clearly, Brzezinski is the Eastern Europe guy in the big club. And this goes on. You can read his Wikipedia page. I mean, this guy's got a CV as long as my arm. <laughs> His resume precedes him here. Oh, my God. Uh, heavily involved with Nixon, Carter, Kissinger during those years. Had his hand in probably uh, the Islamic, uh, or, uh, the Republic of Iran, the Iranian Revolution, uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, um, we're talking a world stage player here, people. So Mika wasn't lying to you <laughs> when she said that the media tells you what you're supposed to believe. And, you know, he was involved with, you know, CIA, Robert Gates, uh, this guy Vance, had his hand in the hostage crisis in Iran. Uh, I mean, this guy's got his fingerprints on everything. All the way up till Ronald Reagan. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to tell you. I'm not making it up, people. 
I think Barry Goldwater actually had a case against Carter for something anti-communist, Cold War. Um, people, do your research. This stuff is just absolutely fascinating to me. We've got to get smarter, people. Guys like Zigbee Brzezinski are in the world. Henry Kissinger's out there in the world. All your secret society favorites, your Bush family, your Obama. Oh boy, I can't wait to play for you this recent interview with Obama. That guy. <laughs> oh my God. It's unbelievable. People, I want to play you a clip right now from Steve Bannon, of all people. Steve Bannon, speaking of the CIA, this guy's calling for a new church committee. A new church commission on the central intelligence agencies. The big club. Intelligence communities. People, it is crazy times. We are living in. Take a listen to this. Apparatus, and this is why, and look, I'm a huge believer in the military. There's something seriously wrong with the national security state. There's something wrong with the FBI. There's something wrong with the CIA. The national security apparatus is all-powerful. We need a church commission. We need to immediately have people in in Congress with others sit there and review the FBI, the CIA, and DOD. we got to get to the bottom of what our purpose is, what we're trying to do, what's acceptable to do against American citizens in the United States, right? What is acceptable to do overseas, and what our whole purpose is right now, particularly when we have an existential threat in the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> an existential threat in the Chinese Communist Party. You remember the same Chinese Communist Party that, you know, Fauci... You know, he trusts the scientists. We've had good interactions with the scientists, even though me and this Dezank guy were funding all the research, gain-of-function research. <laughs> oh, people, it is crazy times we are living in. So before I end the episode today, I want to... I want to do justice to, I want to play devil's advocate to my own perspective real quick. Um, I follow a page called So You Want to Talk About uh, on Instagram. And they have this piece called So You Want to Talk About History You Probably Didn't Learn in School. And I found it to be worth talking about because... I know I've been railing against critical race theory and only because I find it to be very suspect with regard to mind control of feeble-minded people and communist subversion. And I'm trying to protect America. I'm Andrew for America. Duh, right? But, you know, obviously the racist past, what white people did to black people in the past in this country is absolutely disgustingly horrific. I cannot believe human beings were capable of doing this shit to other people. Regardless of the racial group, it sucks that black people had to go through it, uh, go through this, you know, 400 and whatever years of captivity, Ice Cube said in that movie, higher learning. 
435 years, I think he said, ain't there's nothing that could compare to 435 years of captivity. And I hope I got that number right. I'm sure someone's going to email me and tell me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen Higher Learning in a long time, but I remember that movie. It's a fantastic movie. I highly recommend you all go watch the movie Higher Learning, which discusses the race issue. White supremacy, yada, yada, the whole thing, right? But I wanted to go through this just to do justice to... I want to acknowledge the fact that I know that what has happened to the black man, black people, uh, black women as well, obviously, in this country in the past is terrible. And we all need to know. So listen to this. There was something in the past in the late 1800s called the Wilmington Massacre. In Wilmington, North Carolina... It was a very integrated, oftentimes referred to by historians as the most progressive city in American South. In 1896, nearly 126,000 black men in Wilmington were registered voters. The city's black middle class boasted doctors, lawyers, and educators, scores of barbers and restaurant owners, public health workers, members of the police force, and the fire department. Black Republicans held multiple positions of power, serving as city councilmen, magistrates, and other Elected officials. Growing fearful of the power amongst the black community, white supremacists staged a coup to reclaim their political and social power. Following their carefully orchestrated sham election, a mob of 2,000 men terrorized the black community, backed by the newly instated racist police force and state militia. The mob killed at least 60 black residents, though many historians argue that the number is likely well into the hundreds. That is fucked up. Our racist past in this country needs to be acknowledged and talked about. I get it. But we, I think where we disagree, people, is on the methods towards a better world for all of us to live in peacefully together. And inherently in that is going to have to involve personal responsibility, making your own, the ability to make your own decisions for yourself, following the Constitution, and not being racist. Obviously, I, I get it. I can see how oppressed people can look at the white-dominated principles professed by the founders of this nation and say, you know, it's easy to say that I don't want to listen or believe in all that shit because it's bullshit because of how you guys practice it. You guys are oppressing my people. You're killing us, right? It's fucked up. How am I, why should I listen to anything you have to say? I get it. I get that. But if we're going to live in a world where there is a level playing field and everybody does have the same opportunities regardless of race, color, creed, sexual orientation, etc., 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 then we need to start talking about what's virtuous, what is merit, what is value, what is worth, how can we offer, what can we offer to our fellow men and women? How can we um, provide for not only ourselves, but also find the capacity for love and the ability to participate in our society equally, right? That's the goal. Let's move on. 
you know, enslaved individuals built the White House. In 2005, Congress put together a task force to investigate the construction of many of D.C.'s government buildings, specifically the Capitol and the White House. After months of research, the commission announced that while they would never be able to tell the full story of the enslaved individuals who labored on the construction of these buildings, there was no doubt that they were heavily involved in every aspect. So, I get it. While we're saying... uh, Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Bring us your tired, your hungry, your weak masses. Everybody gets a fair shake here. But yet we had slave owners owning slaves. And we had slave labor. This shit's fucked up. I get it. I don't like the fact that the people that were professing all the things that make the most sense to me, logically, rationally, morally, also lived in an era you got to put things into the historical context of the time that they occurred. I've said it a million times. I hate it. I agree. And I get it. I get why people, I get why non-white people can listen to all of the founding principles and say to themselves, yeah, that's a great idea. Sounds great. Too bad we didn't get to experience it. It's fucked up. And that's why I say we need to extend the same protections that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is supposed to guarantee for all citizens, regardless of race, color, creed, sexual orientation. And if we don't do that, do we deserve to be respected? And does that ideal deserve to be you know, given any more credence moving forward? Is socialism really the outcome? I think Karl Marx once said, you know, Capitalism is just a stepping stone on the way to socialism. A lot of people in this country right now think that socialism is the answer. Force. Socialism is force. A lot of people say, fuck freedom. Let's force people to do the right thing. And what's the right thing? Well, the right thing is what the the progressive movement uh, cult and the proponents of critical race theory say is the right thing. And anybody that disagrees should be put to death. That's the mentality. And you want to you you want to look me in the eye and tell me that these people are quote unquote tolerant? The tolerant left? What a fucking joke. The Mississippi burning murders. Remember that? In the summer of 1964, James Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwerner, all civil rights activists with roots in New York, disappeared after working to register black voters in Mississippi. The three men were involved with CORE, a student-led civil rights activism group which was responsible for the Freedom Rides of 1961. Local law enforcement recognized the men's station wagon as a core vehicle, pulled them over and brought them into the Philadelphia jail on speeding charges. They were released with instructions to leave the county. That chance never came. Because a gang of local police and Klansmen kidnapped and murdered the three men after a high-speed chase through the backwoods of Neshoba County, Mississippi, they shot the men one by one. Forty-four days later, their decomposed bodies were discovered by FBI agents. Prior to the FBI's discovery, local law enforcement and Mississippi officials were calling the disappearance of the men a hoax devised to garner sympathy for the civil rights movement. This should happen, people. 
This is the kind of stuff that I empathize with from the left. I criticize you progressives quite a bit. But I, it would, it would be beneath me to not acknowledge and recognize how much fucked up shit has been done to African American people in this country. It's fucked up. Seven out of 18 defendants were eventually found guilty. None of them ever served more than six years for the murders. Edgar Ray Killen, a Klansman and preacher who got off because a juror couldn't bring himself to convict a preacher, was eventually sentenced to 60 years in prison in 2005 for arranging the murders. Shit's fucked up. Listen to this. The Black Panther Party's pre-breakfast program. Many of us learned about the Black Panther Party under a whitewashed curriculum which framed the Panthers as a radical group that terrorized... (laughs) That was my stomach, sorry. That terrorized the country to the point where the government had to intervene. Hopefully by now we know that this is not true. The Black Panther Party started the free breakfast program in California in 1969 because the government was not providing free food for youth, which was resulting in many poor black children having a difficult time learning in school. The program eventually expanded beyond California. By 1971, at least 36 cities had a breakfast program. The Panthers fed more than 20,000 children nationally in 1969 alone. So, how can anyone take that away from the Black Panthers? Sounds like they're doing the Lord's work, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Jesus, fuck. As far as I'm concerned. I can't even talk sometimes. People, in 1985, there was this thing called the Move Bombing. On May 13th of 85, police in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, dropped a bomb in a residential neighborhood following long-standing tensions between MOVE, a black liberation group, and the Philadelphia Police Department. Yes, you read that correctly. Police bombed a city street in Philadelphia. Eleven people were killed, including five children and the founder of MOVE. Hmm. So that sounds like it was probably a pretty coordinated event. 61 homes were destroyed and more than 250 citizens were left home houseless. Only two of the 13 residents of the move house made it out alive. Despite two grand jury investigations, a civil suit, and a commission final report that cited the bombing was reckless, ill-conceived, and hastily, hastily approved, no one was ever criminally charged for the bombing. MOVE, founded in 72 by John Africa, describes itself as is a family of strong, serious, deeply committed revolutionaries. And I have respect for that. I have respect for anyone that decides to be revolutionary in pursuit of a better world, not only for themselves, but for everybody. And that's why I'm paying tribute right now. I'm going over this stuff because some of you people have never heard this stuff before. You ever heard of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment? 
1932, there were no known treatments for syphilis, a bacterial infection mostly sp- spread through sexual activity. Doctors from the U.S. Public Health Service recruited 600 black men to take part in what would later be known as the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment. These men, primarily sharecroppers, many of whom had never visited a doctor before, were recruited on the promise of free medical care. Tuskegee, Alabama had the highest syphilis rate in the country at the time the study was started. The men were monitored by health workers, but only given placebos such as aspirin and mineral supplements, despite the fact that penicillin became the recommended treatment for syphilis in 1947. In 72, the Associated Press broke the news to the public about what had taken place of about 600 Alabama black men who originally took part in the study, 200 or so were allowed to suffer the disease and its side effects without treatment, even after penicillin was discovered as a cure. By the time the report came out, seven men involved had died and more than 150 heart failures that may or may not have been linked to syphilis occurred. There was something in the past called the Puerto Rico Pill Trials. In the mid-1950s, the first, scale, the first large-scale human trial of the birth control pill was launched in a public housing project in Puerto Rico. Without large-scale human trials, the drug would never receive FDA approval, so John Rock and Gregory Pincus, the developers of the pill, traveled to Puerto Rico, where as many as 1,500 women became test subjects over several years. According to PBS, the island offered a pool of motivated candidates and a stationary population that could be easily monitored over the course of the trials. Pincus also knew that if he could demonstrate that the poor, uneducated women of Puerto Rico could follow the pill regimen, how ridiculously demeaning, then women anywhere in the world could too. What a dick. Three women involved with the trials died. No autopsies were ever conducted, so it remains unclear if the deaths were linked to the drug, which was given in much higher doses than it is today. This shit, this is government, people. You really think government is the answer? (laughs) Ugh. People... I think I gotta move on. Uh, This is depressing. It's messed up. We have a racist past. I know. I know. It's bullshit. It is fucked up what our government has done to black people. It is fucked up what our government has done to the Native Americans. It's fucked up what they did to these girls in Puerto Rico. It's fucked up what Bill Gates did to these girls in India. I just recently saw that Warren Buffett is kind of pulling away from Bill Gates. I think he sold some stock in Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> All this stuff connects people. It is crazy fucking times we are living in. People, it's time. It's time for some punk rock. I know these last two episodes, it seems like I've been kind of jumping all over the place, and I know I'll get better about that in the future. I just, there's a lot of stuff 
going on right now that I wanted to cover, and I didn't want to wait. Um, you know, the critical race theory thing, I, I just don't see how it benefits us as society. I don't think making people feel bad and j jamming an ideology down their throat against their will is going to... It's going to make people not want to listen to you. You're not helping your message by being a little, you know, repetitive, you know, lemming, non-thinking, you know, whatever you want to call it, person. No, no self-reflection, no independent thought, no, um, you know, knowledge or, or interest in history. No ability to put things into context. Like it's just, it's, it's sad. It's sad how easy it's going to be for the big club to pull the wool over so many people's eyes. And I know that we have a racist past. I know it's messed up. I just gave you some examples of messed up shit that our government has done to African American people. I know. But, you know... I'm pretty sure, people, I'm pretty sure back in the day, there were freed black men that were n no longer slaves for whatever reason. And I'm pretty sure that there are uh, accounts in history of black people owning other black people. Why is that never talked about? Why can't we have a conversation about the cultural differences about... Um, the violence in certain neighborhoods. You can't just blame it on the past forever, people. At some point, you're going to have to take responsibility for your actions. Is that too much to ask? Is it too much to ask people to be responsible and take responsibility for their own actions and to suffer the consequences of those actions? What is wrong with that? I mean, I, I understand that the police forces and the government have been pretty racist and done pretty fucked up shit in the past. I understand how it's difficult to have faith in these organizations if you are a person of color or specifically African American. I get it. It's messed up. And I'll, I'll repeatedly say it. I'll say it as many times as I have to <laughs> un, un, until cancel culture and uh, the critical race theory theorists out there, uh, you know, tell me that, that I'm finally, like, saved. Am I, like, how's it work? You know, Bill Maher had a good point. He's like, you know, you, you, you're not even, you know, you're not even giving a pass to people when they do do the right thing. Is everything the wrong thing? You know, is is really is the goal really to to cancel yourself, not have any thoughts, not have any emotions, not have not have any um, perspectives on the topic, no desire to talk about it at, because you fear the backlash that might come if you say the wrong thing. I've been saying it. I've been saying it. I've been saying it, people. I mean, you be the judge if you really think that this is the best course of action for our future as a nation. Okay, that's your prerogative. It's still a free country. But 
I don't see this country going anywhere fast. I don't see a lot of reason to have any faith in the outcome of this experiment in America uh, anymore because a lot of you people have either, you know, decided to, you know, not be able to close that chapter of the past, learn from it, and move on. You guys all want to live in the moment. You want to dwell in the terrible, horrible, uh, ridiculous you know, past that we have, we're all human beings, you know, people, you gotta, you gotta give people some wiggle room, you gotta let people learn and grow and make mistakes, and then bounce back from those mistakes, we're fallible creatures, nobody's perfect, if we don't let each other fail, if we don't let each other suffer consequences, If we let this nanny state continue to just, you know, they're turning people into children. They're taking adult human minds and they're transforming them into robotic, immature, unable to deal with reality. They just want to plug you into the matrix and forget about you. Is that the kind of world you want, people? You want to live in the brave new Orwellian police surveillance state world? Is that really what you want? (sighs) This has been episode 44 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast, entitled Crazy Times, Part 2. And I hope we are learning, growing, and achieving our goals. And I hope that we one day wake up to the realities of this world. Thank you for listening. I love you. If you like this uh, podcast, please share the podcast. Uh, Look Andrew for America up on Twitter and Instagram. Send me an email, andrewforamerica1984 at gmail.com. Check out the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Thank you. Good night. We'll see you next time.